0: Welcome back to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie? I'm Verona. I'm Sarah. I'm Britt, also known as Bewey. And today is very special because this is our first guest on the pod, and it is one of our closest and best and most amazing friends ever. <laughs> We've referred to Britt as Bewey on this pod several times before, so if you've ever wondered who the fuck Bewey is, <laughs> this is who the fuck Bewey is. Everybody fucking clap right now. <laughs>
1: This is a really fun little piece of Bewey trivia, and also the reason why Bewey's on the show today, and I actually went and tried to get a hold of the powers that be for, like, the official seal on this information, and I couldn't get it in time, but I did go back and do the research myself, so Bewey is actually the, like, crown holding champion of the movie spree on Letterboxd. Nobody else on Letterboxd has actually logged the movie spree more than she has. I double checked. Really? So congratulations. I'm not kidding. I really did. I was I was texting Verona yesterday and I said like don't tell her yet cuz I'm trying to hear back from Letterboxd to like make sure. But I was like I clicked through all of the fucking people who had logged the movie to see if anyone had logged it multiple times and then I went to all the people who logged it, like, a whole bunch of times, and I checked if anyone had more than you, and nobody did.
0: Oh, my God. Slay, which is very on-brand. How many logs are you at now? 31. As of today. Can't beat that, folks. As of today, 419 2023 so by the time this comes out, it'll probably have doubled. So you're probably wondering where she got the name Bowie from. We're glad you asked, and we will explain in detail... Bewee has never seen the Scream franchise until last June. And while we were watching, she was making fun of our beloved Dwight, Dewey, and was like, that's a stupid fucking name. How'd he get the name Dewey? <laughs> and we were like, well, his name's Dwight. And she's like, I don't get how you get Dewey from Dwight. It's not like you guys would start calling me Bewey, And then everything shifted. And we were like, oh, yes, we will. So it has been almost an entire year of calling her Bewey, with several variations, including, but not limited to, Bewington, Buford, Bubescent, Bubery, Bubology. Bubology.
1: It's kind of like when when you have a cat and it has a name, but then you don't ever call it by its actual name. You have, like, every variation of its name, except for with a real person.
0: And it's funny, because Bewey is like a house cat.
1: That is true. Right now, Bewey is visiting... Verona, which is why we got to have this episode put together today. And you guys went and saw Scream Six last night, correct? It wasn't the best of vibes. Good movie? Did you like the movie at least, Yeah,
0: I liked it. I still don't know if I like it more than five or like they're tied. I think I need another view of it. We decided to go to the 10.35 p.m. showing because we were like, it's a Tuesday. Who the fuck is going to go to a 10.35 p.m. showing of Scream 6 when it's been out for, like, over a month now? Um, fucking everybody, apparently, (laughs) because every single theater that we were, like, gonna go to ended up, like, filling up. And so I was like, here's one. Only three people are in it right now. Like, let's just go. We saw bodies there. Like, it's fine. Um...
1: Funny how the stars will align like
0: that. Exactly. We're in the theater, and, like, we sit in the corner, and the corner seats that we're sitting on, the stairs come directly up to it. And so we're like, okay, this is fine. Like, we see everyone. It's all good. This man comes in, like, what, like, five or ten minutes into the movie? Like, the movie has started. This man comes in. He stands at the bottom of the stairs and just, like, surveys the entire room. And it's a very small theater. Like, Four rows, maybe. So we're, and there's literally five of us in there. So I'm like, who the fuck are you looking at? But he was like staring at each individual person, like the seats. And I was like, you and I both looked at each other. We were like, oh, fuck. Okay. He like could not find his fucking seat for some reason because he went to one seat and then he got up and moved to another. And then he settled in and we were like, okay, fine. Then we're watching it and it's the part where Quinn like said something about like, enjoying multiple men or whatever and this man just yells out you're a whore where did that come from um and so then this man is just like the sketchiest fucking person this entire movie it's this like tall grown white man white with glasses on and he keeps like adjusting his glasses moving which i'm like that's not weird but then he keeps getting up and like moving to different seats like, in the theater. And then at one point, he there's this couple in the same row as us, just, like, a couple seats down. He goes and stands next to them and says something to them. I think he was asking, like, is this your stuff or something? And they, like, move their stuff. He sat directly next to them. Mind you, empty theater. The entire front section, empty. I feel so fucking bad for them. He's, like, trying to make conversation with them. I can hear that. And I'm, like, we are watching a movie. Um, Then he gets up again and moves again to like a couple rows in front of us. And he just keeps just like fidgeting, moving, like looking around, like doing stuff. There's also this guy in front of us who he was like a little sketchy, but we like weren't worried about him. He was just like laying across the seats and then was like on his phone. And then he like got up and left. And I was like, he is standing at the exit, blocking the exit. He's going to hold the exit so no one can get out. And then they're going to kill all of us. I just know it. Just girly thing. And then this, the man, the other man, the first man, he like at one point stands up out of his seat, just very slowly, very menacingly, stands up out of his seat and just slowly unzips his jacket and like takes it off very slowly, the whole thing. And then like sets it down in the seat next to him and just stands for a moment and then sits back down. And Bui and I are like grabbing onto the seat next to each other, like staring at each other and we're like... I literally continuously told her I was like, "If something happens, we're running. We're ru-. I was like, I will grab you. We're running.' I had I have this like self defense thing on my keys, which is like two spikes, and I had my knuckles through it the whole time, like with my bag in my lap
1: in your theater. <laughs>
0: As if that, like, was going to do anything against a gun. But, like, he just the whole time was, like, making comments about things, laughing at weird times. Like, literally, I told b near the end of the movie, I was like, the second the movie ends, we're getting up and leaving. I was like, we're not even waiting for the credits to roll. We are leaving. So that's exactly what we did. Hi, Alice. <laughs> so... That's exactly what we did. The credits hadn't even begun to roll yet. And I grabbed you and I went, we're leaving. And we fucking booked it out of there because we were like, we are not doing this Um, with this creepy ass man. It added to the anxiety of the movie. So like, it felt like an immersive experience.
1: I'm, just, I'm glad you guys didn't die. That would have been a bummer.
0: Not really would have. I would have felt so fucking bad for being like, let's go see this in theaters instead of just waiting a week for digital. Leading up to going to the movie, I had a horrible headache all day, too. So we weren't even sure if we were going to go. And then it finally went away. And I was like, "Okay, we could do this. And then we get there and it's like anxiety. (laughs) All of that. We literally an
1: absolute nightmare.
0: We did not like slow down from the second we left our seats till we got into my car. I was like, we got to just fucking go. Like, we're not stopping. We're not looking back fuck this, let's fucking go. We, like, had to very quickly get our parking validated and then, like, run to the parking, like, the pay machine and then run to my car. And then even as we were driving home, because it was, like, 1.30 in the morning, as we were driving home, because of, like, the anxiety, like, dissipating, I was just, like, at every single car that was around us. I was like, what the fuck are you doing on the road? What are you doing on the road? It's 1.30 on a Wednesday morning now. You're gonna kill us. Uh and then we were fine. We lived to see another day. I didn't trust that fucking man one bit though.
1: I think it would have been more fitting if you guys like took a rideshare there and back.
0: Right, right. But this I was fully expecting Just this to get man to the vibe. <laughs> I was fully expecting him to pull out a ghost face costume at some point like genuinely like that. Is exactly the vibe he was giving off and I was like I'm scared. Um, and then I would forget about it and I'd get into the movie again and then he would do something and I would just be staring at him the whole time instead of the movie. And I was like, I feel so fucking bad for Bewey because her first viewing of this is like overshadowed by this like intense anxiety for this man that she couldn't even properly like enjoy it like she did. But like sans anxiety, it would have been so much better. <laughs> yeah, if it was like bodies again. Right, because when we saw bodies, completely empty theater, just the two of us. Amazing experience. Um, Even if it had just been us, the couple, and the stoner dude in the front, would have been perfectly fine. It was just this one man.
1: I know. I don't mind when I'm, like, around a few weirdos in a theater if they're, like, the vibes are okay. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But that one, I was like, do you know how fucking sketchy you look to other people? B.E.W.E., as our first guest, what's your favorite scary movie?
0: This is such a hard question. Considering I am on here for the spree episode, <laughs> I'm the person who has logged spree the most on Letterboxd, so I'm gonna give it to spree. <laughs> Good choice.
1: I, for one, I'm shocked. <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> We're never all seen shocked. That coming.
1: Also, then, please defend your Letterboxd top four.
0: Um, my top four: spree. No explanation needed. Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, my little bisexual man. He's been through so much, and we need to talk about it. Next is The Handmaiden, which, again, gay people. I love it. We love gay people. <laughs> and then Under the Silver Lake. Um, under the Silver Lake. I think Andrew's character and that would pair perfectly with Kurt Kunkel. You're so right, actually. They should have... He should have picked him up and given
1: him a ride somewhere yeah. in Silver Lake. And been so mesmerized by him that he just let him go.
0: Girl, you can't be screaming. She has things to say about Spree. She's never even seen the movie. She's a fake fan. Is her meowing picking Spree up? Spree should
1: sweep at the Oscar. I like it. It's cute. I like hearing it. I literally kept in like a minute straight of Fallon sneezing in that last episode that I that edited. Is I thought it so sounded cute. funny. So it's not a big deal.
0: That was cute. Alice just is an attention whore. She said Spree Oscars sweep. We'll get them next year, boys. 2024. 2024.
1: <laughs> So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right in. Is that cool with everybody? Yes. So one of my first little things that I love about this is like the way that he's as the movie starts off and it's kind of like this documentary style where it's like, oh, and then on this date he finally went viral. It's very like to me reminisce of how YouTubers from like encyclopedia dramatica and like 4chan and like other image boards would make like tributes and like tribute boards and in the end of spree there's also like the tribute board like on 4chan for kurt kunkel um everything about this like comes across as sort of bad faith memeing of a real person which is like Bewey says often this movie has the most like authentic internet speak and like it seems the most realistic interpretation of how social media works. I think it like even does one better and it's cool that instead of it being like, this is a movie about Twitter or like someone going viral for like an embarrassing video in their high school. Like this is very dark side of the internet. People being like weird about a person that's like also really weird. And then the other first note that I have is I used to fucking hate Draw My Life videos. I used to skip them all the time when they were a trend. So true. I don't know why those were my two thoughts. Like, analysis of, like, 4chan and meme culture and how it, like, preys on mentally ill and weird people. And then immediately going into, like, fuck YouTubers.
0: I really like, first off, the use of Comic Sans. Secondly, the fact that the movie ends with its, like, beginning technically. So it shows that like the entire movie is technically like a fan-made version of like this day through all the different footage that they found.
1: I always really like social media in movies and TV shows like as a concept of like the like you said like where you're seeing it through another screen. I always like it but it's never done this well. This is like the best I think it's ever been done. And it's weird because technically that makes Spree a found footage movie, but, like, it's just not what you think of when you think of how found footage is done. Yeah. It never breaks found footage, like, like Bowie said, it's always just that footage, um, but you always associate found footage with, like, you know, hauntings and Blair Witch and, like, scarier horror movies, as opposed to this being kind of, like, a horror-comedy absurdism weird little vibe. You just don't think about it as found footage, but it is.
0: Oh, right. I actually didn't even think of it as found footage until you said that which if found footage was like this I would like it more because so true my problem with found footage is always a shaky cam which I understand it's authentic like to the every time I say authentic I just think of Kurt saying it (laughs) when you said it earlier I had to hold it in but I get it's authentic to like how you would actually hold a camera in those situations you would be like moving everywhere freaking out I understand that Personally, I can't fucking do that. I can't focus on that shit. So, if found footage was like this more, I would love it. Every time we watch the beginning of it, and he's doing the Draw My Life, and of course he brings up 9-11 for some reason. Which is my birthday. Which is Bewey's birthday, and they also say her name in the movie. Not Bewey, they say Brittany. And I was also born in 96. She was also born in 96. Exactly. So this movie was just very perfectly tailored for Bowie. A universal coincidence. It's funny how it starts with a line like that. So, in the beginning, he's drawing 9 11 and talking about it, and he says something like, No one could ever forget an event that big, real or fake. That makes me think he's a 9 11 denier. Does it not? I say this every time, but I'm it, like... It
1: does. It comes across that way. I also feel like it was like setting up that he was going to be doing this spree thing and it was like, you you weren't supposed to know if it was real or fake or not. But I was like, I could just tell from how insane that man was the second we saw him that it was all... There was... If that was supposed to be a twist, I don't know if it was. I've seen people talk about that before being like, oh, I like that it was like a twist that it was real. I was like, was it?
0: No. Was it? <laughs>
1: that was like... That wasn't... That wasn't a twist, right? That was just the plot from the beginning.
0: Part, like, something that could have been a twist was, like, possibly thinking that David Arquette, which, amazing choice as his father, was in on it because the part when he first gets into his spree and he pulls the water bottle out and he goes, like, amateur move or something like that, rookie move, um, you immediately are like, oh, is he, is he part of it? Like, does he know? Is he in on it? And then you quickly realize, no, he's not. Another thing about this movie, our friend group... Has now, like, we only speak in spree (laughs) quotes and, like, Kurt Conkle quotes. It is the only way we talk, genuinely. I think our most used phrases are funny how the stars will align like that. Um, Wow, are you guys seeing this? A universal coincidence. And for just in general.
1: The one that you guys always say is the, the mouthfeel on this is otherworldly. But the one that sticks with me the hardest as, like, just... The funniest line to me out of all of his stupid vlogs is right before that when he's pulling the shoes out. He's doing like a review of the shoes and he said, what I like about these right off the bat is just how they seem.
0: I also like all of some of the most. That's, yeah, that one. And then later when he's at the club and he says, you guys have no idea how much important this day is to me. <laughs> I'm like so drooping. I like accidentally talk like him. Like before I even saw this movie, I accidentally talk like him. Because I will speak in sentence fragments, like right now, don't know where the fuck I'm going with that, but I assume everyone will pick up on the general vibe, even if I don't speak correctly, which I rarely do.
1: The little twisty flashback at the beginning with him preparing the water bottles, like after you, like, he's like, oh, you want to have water bottles in your in your ride, and I've shown you how to do that last week, and here you go, and like, it sounds so cute and innocent, and then you get that first big, like, dive into what the movie's actually about when it does that like callback shot to him preparing the bottles um and they're obviously poisoned I don't remember what you guys what you guys thought that the uh the poison was because we had like all kind of talked about it I didn't have a guess I have no idea. I don't know my my poisons very well neither and
0: I don't want to go on record <laughs> knowing any either just in case and for just in general <laughs> I'm not a medical girly so I wouldn't know
1: and also in that scene of him with the with the water bottles and him like running back to the house when his mom calls him and he like goes to talk to her for a minute. I like the little detail. I like the little detail that their house is like house for sale by owner. They're really in like probably not a great situation with like their home life, like more so than he lets on to. I like those like little details that he doesn't talk about on his like vlog about how, how much worse his home life is than... I guess he lets on and he like, you get those like little itty bitty details where he's talking about with, um, with Misha Barton when like it's her and her friends in the car and he's like, Oh yeah. Like my dad's a fucking loser anyway. Like, and the way that he interacts with his dad, I just like those, like you, you don't see those things unless you're looking for them. You just get like the surface level of what he's saying until you're actually like paying better attention. (laughs) There's one of Bowie's favorite scenes in the beginning there too, when he's talking about how he got really into online gaming and he's, (laughs) I'm
0: gonna fuck you so hard, <laughs> you stupid bitch. The entire clip that was recorded of that, that was on the Kurtzworld Instagram, like it's a full thirty seconds to like a minute long. Like there's multiple ones of them, and the way that he has the line delivery of you stupid bitch, like I just wish the whole thing was kept in the movie because every moment of it is so good and so in character is Kurt and Joe Curie really showed up on that set every day covered in coconut oil and he put his whole pussy into it and I he deserved an Oscar for it and I mean that genuinely I mean that so fucking seriously spree Oscar sweep and if we don't get it next year we'll get it the year after we'll get them next year boys do you want to talk about the one note that you got on your Tumblr about Spree? <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of putting his whole pussy into it. I make Spree gifts. Made one. Um, just a regular old gift set. Someone reblogged it and in the tags the only thing they put is, I want to harvest buckwheat from his vagina. And that stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> I was not prepared to see that when I opened it. Why are we harvesting anything? <laughs> <laughs> Not only did she have to accede to that, she made it everyone else's problem, too. Woke up, and the first thing I see is that in my text from her. And I just immediately did the deepest sigh and set my phone down and just, like, put my head in my hands. And I was like, okay, this is the kind of day we're having today. I uh, didn't come up with it. I know, but you made it my problem. So then I had her go put it in the group chat because I was like, I can't deal with this alone. You have to make it everyone else's problem now. I
1: didn't... I didn't find it a problem. It gave me some kind of um, philosophical reset. It was like you took my brain out and dunked it in cold water and put it back.
0: I was flabbergasted. That's truly the only word for it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I have the the worst note ever.
0: Okay, lay lay it on us.
1: And it says, it's about the scene, I know when I wrote this note, and it's about the scene when he turns the lights on in the car, They, they change color and he's playing with them, and then he picks up like, Misha Barton and Frankie Grante, and is that it's Julianne Hough, isn't it?
0: It's Lala Kent from Vanderpump Rules. No,
1: you're no, I'm fucking not. joking. It's
0: crazy. That anyway,
1: makes a lot of okay, sense. Fine, I accept that. <laughs> In that scene, he goes like, "Hey guys, like, isn't this cool?" It changes the lights on the car, and they're like, "No, we don't fucking care about this." If Kurt Kunkel picked me up in his spree, this is my note that I have, and he was blasting his, like, kind of bad EDM and had, like, the crazy LED strips, I would assume, and he kept begging me to, like, take a water bottle when I was like, no, I'm good. He's like, no, just drink drink one of those bottles that's back there. I would be like, oh, I'm being fake taxied. Like, they're about to pick someone else up, and he's gonna be like, have you ever tried anal? And then they're going to, like, there's, like, 50 cameras in this car and the LED lights. I'm, like, I'm being fake Kurt Council could benefit from a bang bus, bus. I
0: think.
1: Um, no, I, I would not think that I was going to be, be murdered.
0: Um, Legacy. You,
1: you had mentioned that we forgot a quote.
0: Because why does he only say it that Never one quote. time? <laughs> Hashtag the lesson. Legacy. Like, everything out of his mouth. Otherworldly. <laughs> I wanna study his brain so badly. <laughs> we came up with a Socratic seminar. Um, and it should be Kurt Kunkel, New York, aka Tiffany Pollard, Ma from the <laughs> movie Ma. That was three. I think it yeah. We I thought we had more, but um Oh and then like Dream Andrew, slash under the blunt rotation. That is my dream, actually. That's my dream <laughs> blunt rotation. <laughs> I feel like also mainstream Andrew. Mainstream Andrew. Yeah, all of, every Andrew Garfield character that has ever existed.
1: I think it'd be cool to see his mainstream character with getting to a car that Kurt's driving. They would have graphic gay sex on screen. Had, Literally. From 50 angles. And
0: he'll get a real boom in his numbers. Hands. He would. And a real boom in something else as well. I love Joe Curie as an actor. And I feel like me loving this movie, some people will translate that into like, oh, so you like Kurt or like you're attracted to him. And I need to say so clearly that like when you watch this movie, you are not supposed to be on Kurt's side. I think he's an icon and he's funny. And Joe just does such a good job. If Joe didn't play Kurt, Kurt would not be like attractive because he's such like a loser, incel, greasy little guy. (laughs) he's a loser and it's funny to watch he's so pathetic i think it's incredible to watch but that's because like joe kiri's so fucking good at it and the only reason he comes off as like sometimes attractive in that role is because joe Keery's playing him if it was anyone else i don't think anyone else could have played kurt
1: i think that there's something like not to give this character like a ton of humanity or anything because i think that kind of takes away from it but um I think, like, the motivation that Kurt has for wanting a following is because it's, like, A, of course he's looking for, like, a community. He's a very, like, isolated person. But B, I think, like, the idea of being the centerpiece of a community where, like, the community revolves specifically around you and, like, you're the very, like, adored center of it is so clearly what he's looking for. Like, he makes this comment to Jesse... I believe when she talks about having this like big following, and he's like, Oh, that must be like amazing. Um, you know, like having all those notifications coming in, like what a weird part of like having a huge community to focus on. He's like, your phone must be like blowing up with notifications all the time. Like that is so cool. And I'm like, that's such a weird thing to fixate on. But like, if you have no community and you have like no one that you're interacting with, that makes sense that you get like excited about it. There used to be like this meme in the OG OG Tumblr days where people would, post like the the screenshot of the inbox icon that said like one and people would be like does anyone else have a heart attack and get so excited when they see this and that used to be like a common thing it was like if even one person wants to like talk to you because they saw like whatever you were doing on your own little corner you just get like so excited about it and of course like social media has changed so much it changes constantly but like it's changed much in the last like 10 years especially so him like being obsessed with the individual interaction that comes with having a huge following is very down to earth of that character and like very to me interesting he's obviously wants to be famous he wants to like have this huge platform but he also Wants it specifically because he wants individuals to be talking to him and like coming at him all the time, which is just kind of sweet. Unfortunately, it's kind of you like even see that
0: later when he first meets character. Uno. One of the first things he says to her is like, "Congratulations on all of your followers." It's like sad, yeah. How much he wants it. Yeah, you almost feel bad for him sometimes. Not to excuse his actions, but you almost feel bad for him sometimes. Like especially the moments with Bobby, um, where he's just like. You know, you told me that you would stream the lesson tonight. You said that you would do this for me. And then he shows up to his house. You see it in the way that when Bobby turns the camera on to him, he gets so nervous. And he st- like, almost starts crying with what Bobby's saying to him. Um, and you start to feel like a little bad, almost. The ca- okay. The cast, the cast, cast of the is in this movie, stupid. we have... Um, Josh Orville, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but he was very famous on Vine, obviously, and is now a YouTuber. Finding out Lala Kent, who is a reality TV star, is in this. Like, Frankie Grande, Misha Barton from The O.C. Like, just all of these different people who are... And The Hills, yes. That's a big part of it, I think, is they really wanted to showcase, like, people who were famous not specifically because they were, like, actors or singers or anything, people who were famous because of the internet or because of having, like, some sort of celebrity status without it being attributed to, like, their talents.
1: Yeah, more more personal brands, more personal branded people. And the girl
0: who like played Uno, mm-hmm. that's her only credit on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And it says she's, like, a jazz singer or, like, does jazz music. So this was, like, her only acting yeah it's crazy at least according to letterboxd i don't know about imdb she was really good
1: she was i think everyone was good
0: oh and also uh like the people from snl in this yes i didn't even think about that part
1: lala kent and frankie grande in this for some reason the two of them and even misha barton a little bit Um, they had this, like, weirdly perfect balance between being genuine and being, like, surface-level vapid. There's, like, the moment when they are going up and, like, they're being, like, shitty and just, like, entitled and whatever all night, but then they go up into the- the roof, and they're like, oh my god, this is, like, fate that we're gonna be here on this evening together, and I'm like, there's no way that this, like, friendship goes any deeper than, like, this moment. Like, these are the most, like, airheaded people you've ever seen in your life. Like, not a thought, no emotion. But they're, like, so genuine about being so happy to be there with each other. And I'm, like, that's how you toe the line perfectly <laughs> between that, like, genuine and that, like, very fapid and silly. And I love it. They're the guy that's with that Jesse
0: reason. Adams, who's also a comedian. And every time i watch, I'm, like, this guy should have died because he's so fucking annoying. Like, Kurt should have gotten him <laughs> or something. But the more I watch it, the more I'm, like, this guy could easily become a Kurt. Because he's he will not leave Jesse alone. He's clearly obsessed with her fame in the platform she has. And he even says, like at the end of her show, he's like, "I would kill for that." And he's just very like the way no one responds to him, while he's doing his show, like no one likes his content. no one's engaging with him the way they are with Jesse. and that I think that kind of parallels what Kurt's doing too, and how easily that guy could have also gone down that route. You're so smart. You're setting up for a spree sequel. That's my goal here. Except, sorry, Kyle Mooney, I don't want you as the main character. Bring Joe Curry back. Bring Joe Curry back. The spreequel. We can, like, it, in Child's Play, how, like, Chucky's soul gets stuck into a doll. We can put Kurt Kunk <laughs> or we can put the guy's soul, Kyle Mooney's soul, into Kurt Kunkel's body and revive him. We figured it out. Spree writers, call us. Please. But that, but that makes a lot of sense, and you're right.
1: is like, I've actually never had a thought about anything I will except go and it. I could go into this. I just think this right. movie
0: is so well done when it comes to, like, social media. I love uh-huh. media about social media, but I'm so picky with it because most of the time the writers never know how people fucking talk on the internet, like, realistically. Yeah. Especially younger people. And this one, like, if you read the stream comments, it's all, like, everything that people say, it's not good. Like, what they're saying is not, like, a sane thing to say, but it's exactly what you would see if you go into any Twitch stream. Especially one by, like, unhinged men. Yeah. It's very accurate. They clearly have a really good understanding of social media and how it works and how people want that platform, like Kurt. And I just, I really like that there is clearly a lot of... I don't know if research is the right word, but they clearly knew what they were talking about going into it. They're not, like, 60-year-old men who are like, let's do something about social media, and they, you know, don't know how people talk. Like, this was all very real, and I think that's what makes it both really good to watch but also scary. There's a level of disconnect when you're watching it because it's a movie and it's entertaining and the people are doing a good job. But, like, if this was real life, this would... It would be terrifying, especially with Kurt, like, seeing how unhinged he is. Not even unhinged, because he is, but, like, that incel level, yeah. you know? Because it's, like, a very scary unhinged. It's, like, a very kept-together unhinged. Yeah. Like, it's just slightly off enough that you're, like, scared, but, like, it's one of those things where, like, if you were in that situation, you'd be, like, how we were, like, are we overreacting, or is something actually gonna happen, like... That's exactly the feeling that you would get from him at all times, because he's just slightly off. And you can tell he's trying so hard. Oh, we need to talk about um, possibly the greatest scene of all time in cinema. B- we take it away. The shower scene? No. Oh. <laughs> I was talking about the gummy bear <laughs> scene. You are. <whore.
1: laughs> that's what I... Quite that's of what I am too. I- <laughs>
0: Thinking about the shower scene. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the shower scene? Then we'll circle back. I think we just need... We need to talk about you bullying me. Because every single time the shower scene comes up and he's like, hey guys, you want to check out my check out my boner? Every single time... This one time, it was so fucking funny. We were watching it together. We were both on our phones because we just had it on the background. And as soon as he said that, Bewey's head fucking snaps up <laughs> and she's staring at the screen so intently. And I was like... He doesn't show it. You've seen this movie at this point. He like, might. He won't. But like you've seen this movie at least like 20 times at that point. Yeah. I I Maybe just really time. have to appreciate that he barely cracked 100 viewers for the first time and was immediately ready to show cock. That was for you. <laughs> it's like me. I said this to Sarah the other night during our latest Babylon watch and I was like, if I yell enough times for Lady Face, she'll hear me and then she'll want me. It's like that thing where, like, that one person on TikTok is, like, punching a desk. <laughs> They're like, day one of punching this desk until the atoms rearrange and my fist goes through. And they do that. That's me watching, like, one day the atoms will shift and <laughs> Kurt will show cock and I will see it because the I The stars watched. will align. <laughs> yeah. I forget constantly that this is Joe Keery. I'm like, this is the man in Stranger Things and that makes the really good music because yeah. we fucking love Joe. She got me into Joe amazing music so every time we watch this movie i completely forget that he is not kurt kunkle like kurt kunkle isn't an actual person i swear to god they keep kurt Kunkel in joe Curie's basement and they let him out for this movie and then they shoved him back in there after immediately as soon as joe Curie covered himself in coconut oil that's when the spirit of kurt takes over him and then once he like showers off it's like it fades away it's like dissipates yeah yeah It's like the uh, shaggy 1% power memes. Oh, yes! That's literally Kurt. That's literally him as Kurt. (laughs) His body is a vessel for Kurt (laughs) Hunkle to be channeled into.
1: He really does, like, chameleon into this role, which is interesting for, like, a character that doesn't look any different than him, like you know he's like greasier and he's like not put together but like he didn't do anything drastic to his appearance for this part like he didn't cut his hair differently or like he didn't dress like in a super weird way he just dresses like super casually but yeah he chameleons into it so intensely just like he really did such a
0: good fucking job he did and i started this movie as like a thirst watch for (laughs) joe curie and like I don't think I would have loved it as much if Joe wasn't in it, just because I don't think anyone else could have played Kurt the way he did, because yeah. he did incredible. I cannot say enough how good I think he did in it. But yeah, this was like a movie I put on just to like check off on his letterbox, like a thirst watch, and then I ended up genuinely loving this. It's my favorite movie of all time now, genuinely. We all have matching sweatpants for this movie. Um, Squirt's World! It, they say Squirt's World on the butt. I got them airbrushed on Etsy for all of our Christmas presents because we all are so obsessed with this movie. And then we also have the Kurtz World hats, which I wore last night to scream. She did. Never hey. miss a good opportunity for branding. Exactly that. So anyways, back to the actual greatest scene of all time. <laughs> We've been putting this off. I got so into it. <laughs> it's okay. The gummy bear scene. Um, I think that's the scene that really, like, that's still in the first act of the movie. And that scene really finalized it for me. Like, this is five stars. Even, like, no matter what happens to the rest of it, like, this is five stars. Is that the only real song that's in the movie that's, like, not his music? I think so. That's, like, the only real song (laughs) that's in it. And it's Gummy Bear. And he kills a man with it. And then he just goes, (laughs) wow, are you guys seeing this? And drives over his dead body and drives away. And then goes through a car. No, he pulls up to a gas station and cleans the blood off of his windshield. And I, I'm picking people up and dropping them off. I'm dropping them off. I'm dropping them off. dropping them off. I love the way he turns to the camera and says, wow, are you guys seeing this? Because he doesn't, like, make eye contact with the camera. He does make eye contact with the camera, but it's so detached. He has nothing yeah. behind his eyes. I also love his lack of eye contact uh, when he's like, get your rig to- together. And, like, he does not make eye contact for, like, half of that. And he's just, like, missing and I don't know why, but that's so funny to me. That's one of my favorite moments.
1: It's also not cut together, like, so tightly. So it kind of has, like, awkward long, like, moments where he's, like, shuffling to the next camera. Like, it doesn't it doesn't cut together neatly like someone, like, tightly edited. That's it. another so thing that I've mentioned to
0: Verona that I like. Better. Whenever they do, you see, um, when it will have, like, two screens and it will be, like, the camera view from the car and then on his phone. They always use the exact same shot that they filmed it in, which, like, makes sense. But, I don't know, it's just, like, you could watch, like, go back and forth between both screens and you know it's the same exact take. And that they didn't just cut them together, like Sarah said, the really tightly editing. Like, everything really feels like they just pulled it directly from, like, the stream, Like, real footage. Yeah, Yeah, real footage, thank you. No, of course, I got you. What's crazy to me is, like, the same time this is being filmed is, like... There's every time we watch it, I mentioned there's this one specific area. It's when he picks up the guy that he kills before Gummy Bear. It is right by my friend Abby's old house. And I would I was there all of 2019, like constantly either before I could drive when I would take the metro and like walk or when I could drive after. And there's the freeway that I would take to get home. And so every time we watch it, I'm like, I could have been in the background of one of these shots and we wouldn't have even known or I wouldn't have even known. And I wish I was. If you see a happy little blonde bitch (laughs) just walking along or if you see a tan bug, that's me. You made your spree debut. I'm going to edit it in somehow. And be like, (laughs) look, I'm in the movie. That's an old smart and final right there. That's me driving (laughs) Bowie around literally every time she comes to L.A.,
1: that line cracked me the fuck up because like that is how I fucking talk to people when they're in my car. I'm like, mm, that used to that used to be something else. They're like, I don't fucking care. As we're
0: I'm driving like, around, I'll go, Oh, like, over there this happened to me. Or over here this was this. And Bewey's just like, Wow. She's like probably like, <laughs> I don't fucking care. I love hearing it. <laughs> but I'm like, it's nice for me. <laughs> and I love the beginning. Her story. Thank you. Like, I get it. Same. That's me. Since she's been here, I have, like, nonstop talked and just, like, never shut the fuck up (laughs) once. I have a question for the audience. Yeah. What's everyone's favorite scene? Because, like, I know we always have our favorite quotes, but, like, I've never asked about, like, a specific scene. I feel like for every movie, there is one scene that specifically, like, encapsulates the entire movie. And, like, the gummy bear scene is it for this movie. Like,. That's everything the movie's about. If you had just seen that scene, like, you would know exactly what this movie was going to be. Oh, 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 the scene. We, like, all lost our minds the first time we watched it. When he's talking to Bobby, um, and he's, like, driving to his house at the same time that he's watching Jesse's stream um, before her show. And you think he's going to pull up to Jesse's house... And, like, she opens the door, and it's Kyle Mooney from SNL. Kurt knocks on the door, and Bobby Basecamp opens it. Oh, my God. That moment, I literally lost my mind just, like, leading up to it. I was so anxious. Like, my jaw dropped. I was just sitting there stunned the first time we saw it.
1: Especially with the split screen, the way that they did it. We forgot. Oh, my
0: God. Um, Oh, no, not your home. My home. I think that's my favorite scene. That one? Or one of them, at least. It's so hard to pick just one. I know.
1: That scene really specifically solidified um, this kind of, like, extra craziness in him because, of course, he's crazy for everything he's doing. But before that, he was targeting at random. Like, he was just being like, I'll just kill whoever I kill because I want to, like, get the social media clout. That was the first kill that was, like, personally motivated where he's like, I'm gonna go kill jesse adams because of like this situation i'm gonna go take her home with me and like we're gonna like go make a sex tape or something like he that was so personally motivated his thing with jesse as opposed to it being like this person ordered an uber and like got in my car and now i'm gonna kill them this it made it like it that's where it
0: got i really love (laughs) that him specifically targeting jesse because you can see it in those moments leading up when he's watching her stories when he's obsessing over it and he's like why does she get to have this but i don't like You can see that switch just, like, flip in him, and he, like, immediately is, like, obsessing over her and is like, well, if I can't have that, then you can't either. Um, I really like, on the first view, like, when you first watch, you think Kurt's first kill is that guy that gets in the car, but it's actually his mom, and you don't realize that till the end of the movie. And he even says at one point, before killing Bobby, he's like, I got seven rideshare kills. But he had only killed six on screen. And the first time I watched that, I was like, I I really did not think anything of it. But I realized the seventh person was his mom that he killed right before starting all of it. And it's just like details like that that you don't really realize until you watch it again. And you see how things were set up the whole time. And like, I don't know, just really well done. So good. Um, Chef's kiss.
1: Um, one of the first like scenes that sticks out to me other than the split screen with the doors is when he finally kills Bobby. When he goes to his house and he's like fucking around in his house after killing him, like right, like around the shower scene. I like that the way he's like so manic over having an audience for the first time and like everything shifts like so intensely and they're all like, go see Uno, you fucking loser. And he's like just taking the abuse from them because he's never just like had anyone even pay attention to him. Um, so I really like all of that and how, th- how they're like totally just like fucking with him too. And they're like, oh yeah, you should totally go approach that girl. Like get her number. She's hot. And he's like, you guys really want me to do that? haha <laughs> Okay. And like he goes and does it, but like they're fucking with him because he's not like reading the signals correctly. I like that scene a lot. I think it says a lot about Kurt's character. And then it also says like a lot about how those like online communities work. And you said earlier, um, Bui, you were talking about how it's just So realistic the way that they're talking, like in these streams. I think that what adds to that realisticness is that they didn't try to blend all of social media into one thing. Like the way that people talk to Bobby versus how they talk to Kurt on like the same streaming app, and then the way that people talk to Jessie is so different, like because she's using like Instagram. Like, I think that they understood better than other social media movies that not all social media is the same and like the platforms are very different and they're different depending on the people using them. Like it didn't try to mix everything together in like that way that just comes across as really authentic and out of touch. Also
0: um, a big reason why Kurt's people or the people in Kurt's stream talk to him th- that way is because they think it's fake the whole time they think it's fake Because during the part where he's killing Bobby, they even say, like, oh, like, this shit looks so fake. Like, we know you're joking, Bobby. Like, stop. Like, you know, they say things like that where they, like, really don't believe it. In Bobby's stream, Bobby says this shit isn't supposed to be real, like, to Kurt after Kurt stabs him. And then everyone in the comments is like, haha, because it's not. Like, we know it's not real. Um, And then they do the same thing to Jessie later at the end of the movie when she crashes into Kurt's house, which... Shout out to Amanda's dad. He did the same thing. We think of him every time we get to that part. Um, (laughs) But they do the same thing to Jessie when she's like, why the fuck are you people watching? Like, what's wrong with you? Call the cops. And then everyone there is still, like, fucking around in the chat, being like, "Haha, we know this is fake. Like, good performances. Or some people are even like, this is so shitty. I just think it's really fucking good and really cool. Rock out with your fucking cock out. How did we miss Rock Out with your fucking cock out? David Arquette, I love you. I think we started watching the Scream movies before I saw Spree. Or at least the first one or two. Yeah. Like a week before. Yeah. I really did not realize that was the same man that was Dewey. I think it took until the third or fourth Scream movie where I was like, that's Kurt's father. And Veronica and Sarah were like, are you fucking stupid? Yeah. Like, that's the same actor. And I was like, uh Dewey has a mustache and Kurt's father does not that threw me off the mustache threw me off it was like a Hannah Montana thing I like was so flabbergasted I was like no one fucking told me that this is Dewey this is Kurt's father yeah it was one of those things where it was just very obvious that we didn't want to say it and be like they're the same person in case you were like yeah I fucking know like no (laughs) shit we were like oh okay so we were just like we just assumed we were all on the same page and knew. But unfortunately, Bowie felt... I was late to that party. She was. was me.
1: Well, David yeah. Arquette also really chameleoned into this role, too. In a really good way. It was... He's, he's like, you just don't think about it. You recognize it and you're like, oh, it's David Arquette. But when you're watching it, you you're should always be thinking about, about, David, about Arquette David Arquette and in our hearts,
0: screen. in our minds. Pussy. Oh my god, one time when we watched Spree, we literally set my LED lights in my room to whatever color the lights were on the screen to give us like an immersive experience. It was so fun. Uh, I recommend it to anyone who has LED lights. Everybody clap for the most specialist boy, or else I'm (laughs) blowing this whole place up. The most specialist Bowie. Thank you for letting me be a guest. I hope I was okay. You were the best guest ever. No one is ever going to top this episode. I can already say that. Because we're all bottoms.
1: That wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we are going to be covering Cabin in the Woods, which Verona has never seen before this. So, very exciting. In the meantime, you can check out our link tree, which is WYFSM. That will have links to all of our socials, including our Twitter, which is WYFSM Podcast, as well as our Instagram, WYFSM Pod. Additionally, if you are interested in seeing more from our guests today, Bowie, Brittany... Brit, etc. Her social media is Brit for Film on Letterboxd and Instagram. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys next week.